0: I caught relaxed and smiling. Oh! oh no! slapped her! Like
1: I
2: don't like you because you're dangerous.
0: I don't give a fuck what you say, motherfucker. Yes! He's out! He's done it!
1: Maverick, we're hit, we're hit again! Damn it, Maverick. I'm on my way.
2: Three, two, one. Whoa! <gasps> <gasps> <of the> <gasps> that's the
1: crack of snack. That's all i You can be my wingman anytime. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks
3: podcast. Featuring your hosts Mike Straka and Ike Feldman.
1: Welcome to MMA Mavericks. I'm Mike Straka, along with my co-host Ike Feldman. Ike, uh, an embarrassing judging performance in Texas. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really up in arms
2: about what happened in Houston. Yeah, a lot of people, and we were joined by some of them. Man, this is a beautiful array and variety of guest lists. You wanna, you wanna name them off? Well, we've got Ian Parker from Cage Hero. Uh, we've got Trent Reinsmith
1: from the, Oak, uh, the Come On Now newsletter, which uh, he's been covering MMA for a long time, MMA Junkie alumni. And, of course, none other than Al Jermaine Sterling uh, talking about his little beef with Henry Cejudo uh, and uh, some of the backlash that has been going back and forth between uh, these two guys on Twitter. Uh, it's an interesting show. Ike, what do you
2: think? I think it covers everything. Like you said, Al Aljo with the, uh, the beef with champ triple crown as he says as he says I know Henry is a big avid listener of the MMA Mavericks and he, he might be upset at me but Henry uh, Aljo said it not me and we have Ian Parker who goes in on the judges man I love this guy first time speaking to him it sounds like he put something in his coffee but he just goes and goes and then Trent Smith talking about the brain trauma he brought us down to a nice calm pace but man this was a roller coaster of interviews it was fantastic. Check it out.
1: This
3: is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast.
2: Hey, so
1: a uh, little uh, back and forth with Henry Cejudo, huh? What, what, what do you think of all the, uh, the hoopla? Uh,
0: I, don't, I really do not know what to make of it. I think it's kind of ridiculous, this whole landscape of the Bantamweight division. He's a great competitor, but at the end of the day, he's starting to become a great clown.
2: Like what you call the man with the uh, the triple crown. You you kind of went in on the Hawani show, man. I have never seen you that fired up. But you, I remember you being frustrated a couple of years ago with the Rankins and dumping back and forth with Garbrand and Dillashaw doing rematches. But is this the most fired up that you've been disrespected with the Bantamweight? Uh,
0: no. I don't. I don't know. It's been a uh, been a long road, man. You know, getting back to where I'm at and uh, to climb the rankings even higher than I've ever been. I think uh, with all those things in mind, it, it's just been really frustrating to do all this work and not necessarily get anything for it. Uh, you know, you, you climb, you try to get to the light at the end of the tunnel and there's nothing there. You know, that's essentially what it feels like. And, uh, you know, I just want to know what, what we're fighting for. At the end of the day, I, I, like prize fighting is cool to just make money, but, you know, I'm trying to leave somewhat of a legacy and uh, I'm not getting an
2: opportunity. I just wanted to know, what did uh, Yana Kuniskaya do to you, man?
0: <laughs> yeah, she was, I don't know, she was, being, she was being there for her guy, for sure. I mean, I don't blame her, but it's just like, just weird when females jump into a man's fight. It's always gonna be awkward. There's always gonna be a lose-lose for the guy, you know? So I don't, I don't like to play
2: those games. I understand that man, especially as a guy, but it's like, have you been getting a lot of brushback with that quote? Nah, I don't think I said anything wrong.
0: I think people can understand exactly where I'm coming from. Guys shouldn't be arguing with a female like that, especially one that's not his woman, that's one. And two, it's just, you shouldn't be fighting with a female in general. Like what am I gonna say to, I'm gonna beat you up? Like what? There's (laughs) nothing to be said with that situation. True, true.
1: Hey, Aljo, hold on one second. Hey, Ike, who's calling in right now? It's me. Who is it? Ian Parker. Hey, Ian, stand by. Hey, what's up, Ian? Welcome hey, to the show, up? Ian Parker. So we got, got and Sterling on. We got Algemene Sterling on the line right now. Never heard of him. Who's out? Yeah, right.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, hey, Aljo. So, I'm, Aljo
3: hanging you... I'm hanging out with Henry. Say hi. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Uh, <laughs> is. Oh, I'm, I'm killing
0: I'm
1: just kidding. So, so Aljo, what do you make of uh, what do you think of Karen Bryant coming out and saying uh, that that Henry was a little out of line with his uh, Al Jemima comment? Oh,
0: personal, from Henry. I think he was just trying to make a silly joke, and he backfired on him. But I, I I don't know if it was just wordplay. He was just trying to use and not really understanding what the word actually means. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't live in Henry's head, so I can't speak for him on that
1: i if i well, well okay let me ask let me ask you then directly were you offended by that or did you just laugh it off
0: uh i I didn't know what to think of it because again I don't know what his intentions were so I, there's nothing for me to really really take from it Do
1: you feel like um when people, when people try, oh, wait, wait. Which train are you on right now? You're on the A train, the C train, the E train.
0: I'm on the two, I think the two or three, but I'm about to go into a tunnel, and my connection okay. is going to be gone.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully your hand heals up, man. Is the guarantee the next fight you want is Peter Yan?
0: Peter Yan for the strap.
2: Okay. Okay. Rest up, man. When's your timeline? I think we lost him.
1: Yep, I think we lost him. Well, that was Al Serlin, Sterling, everybody. Uh, we're being joined by, of course, Ian Parker from Cage Hero. Uh, that's a, that's a, a kid's MMA brand and a comic strip. Hey, Ian, uh, you, you you had a really cool uh, tweet the other day uh, saying that James Krause had a legitimate argument that he thought that the judge in Houston had a conflict of interest since the coach in uh, his his opponent's corner was one of the judges' coaches and actually awarded him a BJJ black belt in at Elite uh, elite MMA out there in Houston. Uh, what What do you think about that? Yeah, uh,
3: are we allowed to curse on this show or no? I don't know what the the rules are here. Uh, I'm so used to Anakin's no. podcast yeah. with the yeah. show rules. Fuck no? All right, good. Because I'm really bad on the show. I'm the absolute worst. Um, <laughs> even when we do our sponsors, I curse. I'm I'm bad with that. Now, listen, I, I, first off, what blows my mind, let's pretend that that story hasn't even come up. How the Talked this guy score that first round not for James Kraus, you know. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here, okay? For the what four and a half minutes he was riding the guy's back, threatening with the choke, with the takedown, and then what? Because Giles turned it around, landed a few punches at the end. I mean, that that to me right there just showed how poor this judge really, really was. And I talked about this also a few weeks on the podcast that the Texas group they haven't really been judges in any big MMA fights, mostly boxing and amateur stuff, and. That obviously showed its rear head. It wasn't the only fight where the scoring was obviously atrocious. I mean, you know, there's some other fights there that I'm sitting there going, what were they really watching? You know, I mean, were they playing fucking Minecraft during on their phones? I don't know. But, you know, it's re- it's really bad. And for someone like Krause who, come on, man, this guy steps up on what, like 35 minutes notice, drives down the block, weighs in, a weight yeah, class yeah. up, and – arguably, I actually had him winning the fights round one and three. I thought three went his way. I thought he landed more. Giles was exhausted. And then this comes up how the judge got a black belt from the guy who's cornering Giles. That's just foul, man. That's so bad. That should never happen. That's 100% a conflict of interest. I'm sure Dana White and the UFC will do right by Kraus, But that sucks if, if it doesn't get overturned because that's a blemish on his record that he should have been known for legacy-wise. Like, yo, this guy's a legend. Forget the weight class. No one steps up in that short amount of time, comes in and wins the fight. You know, not that Giles, I think, is the most dangerous guy in that division, but it's still a weight class up. The guy still has a ton of power, as you saw. And, if you're, and even if you're training year-round, there's so much of a difference when you're training for an actual fight. So I really feel for James Krause. Um, I know he got paid well for this and it made sense for him. I hope they give him a really good fight coming up with a good name and reward him because this is bullshit, man. This really is. And even on top of that with this story, crazy.
2: Damn, Ian. Yep. Wow. Drop the mic, man. I, I think you covered all uh, fields with the James Krause fight. and uh, fight. Um, again, we're being joined by Ian Parker at Parker Cage here on Twitter. So in your opinion, you want Dana White to take care of Krause. What would you want the UFC to push for in terms of the Texas uh, Athletic Commission? What, what changes?
3: Um, we don't go there ever again for a fight until Listen, <laughs> number number one, yeah, let's stay away from Texas for now. And listen, Texas is a fun place. I've been there many a times, you know, and you know, the fans are great down there. The problem, though, is that, listen, we always make jokes in the sport, even though it's serious, don't leave the fight to the judges, right? Because you just never know. But when things are just so screwy, you know, and really, like, think about these people's careers, you know, someone like Andrea Lee. I mean, listen, Lauren Murphy's got a story. You got a feel for her. You're glad she won the fight. But how the hell did you score that for her 30 to 27? Like, let's be real here. You know, when she said, "Oh, my takedowns," and because her mouthpiece fell out a few times, that's not that. That's not how. <laughs> that's not a scoring thing. Like, oh, her mouthpiece fell out three times. It's a half a point for Murphy. That's not really how this works. You know, it's for Texas. If we're gonna go back there, or for the just judging in general with the scoring system. You know, when I was on annick's show um, a couple months ago, we discussed this. I thought there should be five judges. I thought the judges should not be cage side. They should be in a remote location with noise canceling headphones. Those are the two main things because, I mean, listen, you know, Mike, you and I have been friends for a while. You've been watching the sport for God knows how long. When if someone throws a high kick and it's blocked, how often do you hear their quarter going, hey, you know, even though the kick does nothing, you know, and the judge may be influenced yeah. by that, you know? Of so, course, yeah. I, you know, like, and also when you're sitting there, you're supposed to watch the miners, right? Because that you're supposed to get your angles, but you can't tell me that these guys never glance up at the cage. You're sitting right there. It, it's got to be impossible to not want to look up. You know they should be in somewhere where they can't be influenced. They shouldn't even be sitting next to each other, each in three different rooms, noise canceling headphones. you know, and I know people are talking about this open scoring, which I personally think is pretty cool. Thank you But Thank I you. think those first two options would be the first would yeah, would be the first step. Oh, you want to talk about open scoring? I love open scoring. We could definitely get into that. But but I think those first two options are definitely the way to go to so at least improve it a little bit. I don't think I don't think three judges is enough. I really don't. Especially and, and we gotta find out where these people are, are judging. Like for them to never judge a main event in the MMA period. Um that, that should tell you something right then and there as well.
1: You know, what what really boggles my mind is that when I was at Fox News you know my remember my fox fight game show i was covering hd net fights mark cuban and andrew simon did these things back in like 2007 and i was out there in dallas texas and they were doing they were they were far ahead of the game and they were before new york you know california was the first really Well, denver was the first but california was the first big state to actually sanction it and then nevada of course but you know I was in Texas back in 2007, HD net fights, Mark Cuban, you know, uh, you know, we had a lot of good fights out there. And I I just feel like Texas should be, they should be there judge wise. Like there's no excuse for what happened on Saturday night. You can't say that Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not educated in the sport yet. Like I said, I've been covering the sport in like, you know, Ian, since 2001. And I was in texas in 2007 with mark cuban's hdnet fights was guy metzger it was andrew simon and these guys had it down to a science and they were the first really big state to actually do fights live uh and 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 air them on hdnet and i just feel like there's no excuse for Texas to be that far behind when it comes to judges. There's no reason why we're all sitting here going, well, you know, they've never judged a main event before. They've never judged MMA before. Of course they have. I just feel like there's not enough people. There's not enough like uh, accountability when it comes to judging. And, you know, I I try to get Nick Lembo on the show today because Nick Lembo is the counselor for the New Jersey state athletic commission. And he's been a guy that I've always looked to Nick Lembo as, like the the standard when it comes to absolutely mixed, absolutely. mixed martial arts judging and and refing. Go ahead, Ian. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. I, I've known Nick for a long time, so I'm I
3: agree with you. He's definitely someone that really holds the standard. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just agreeing with you.
1: No, no. I and no for real. Like Nick Limbo is. He's like well, you know, obviously he 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 came up with some great people here in New Jersey that helped shape you know mixed martial arts and uh but nick nick has always been you know listen i I remember when the first time ufc came to the prudential center and i forgot the fighter's name but they did a thorough um, cat scan and they found out that he had an aneurysm or a brain tumor and they they saved the kid's life you know that doesn't happen in every athletic commission you know nick limbo is he's very thorough he has the, the fighters Uh, safety at the utmost concern but also he also makes sure that the judges and the refs know what the hell they're doing you know you come to New Jersey and you've got you know Dan Mergliata you know you've got Vito Shalin. people that have been around the sport for years and years and years and I think I I, that's why I was so confused about what happened on Saturday night because like I said in Texas they've been doing this sport since at least as I've as far as I'm concerned since 2007 and that's that's a long time to do the sport and and to act like that they didn't know what they what the hell they were doing. Well, and it's
3: and it's a shame too because you know think about I know we've heard rumors when they were planning like a big Brock Lesnar fight or a big Conor McGregor fight at Cowboy Stadium. You know, you you bet your ass they're not doing that anytime soon now, and that sucks because that's another pivotal step for the sport of MMA for the UFC that's made such you know, huge steps for the sport. I mean, to your point, we've been watching this thing forever. I mean, dude, like, you know, the Bulldog fights, IFL. I mean, there's been other organizations that have been around for God knows how long when the UFC wasn't super popular to the, the mecca that it is right now. And to your point, I agree with you 100%. Regardless of what people say, and even I said it like they haven't, I meant like they haven't handled a big UFC event, not other MMA to your point. So you are correct. It's just,
2: yep, yep, regardless,
3: yep. there really is no excuse. You know, it doesn't change whether you, you know, the amateur, the pros. It's just when things are so far off, like, look, we can look back at split decisions. You can talk about the Reyes-Jones fight. We can go back and talk about when Hendrix, you know, and Lawler and Hendricks and GSP and all of these split decisions we think are robberies or whatever it is and whatever. But when you see fights like, I mean, just the Krause fight in general, that first round blows my mind. You know, the Andre Yule and the Jonathan Martinez fight earlier on, some of the scores on that one were pretty were, were pretty crazy. You know, and I don't want to take away anything from the people that got the W in it. Listen, I respect – you know how I am. I respect everyone who steps in that cage. I'm not someone that boosts fighters or is negative towards them, you know, even when they make cringy comments on Twitter. You know, it's just um something like this needs to be changed – really really quickly you know in other sports like the NFL they did a lot to get the top reps to make sure like think about in the playoffs in the Super Bowl they don't just draw out of a hat you know they make sure that they have specific referees there so that game is not hindered upon their calls you know and the amount of ways that things have changed in general like with baseball and basketball having challenges and replays you know with MMA you know that's just another thing also like at what point do we get to something like that you know, when something was illegal. I mean, how many times have we seen kicks to the nuts that really hit the inner thigh, the leg, and they get, take a point away? Or when a guy does kick someone three or four times and just gets warnings, you know, poor Stefan Struve, you know? Even though I'm not going to lie, I, I bet on Ben Rothwell in that fight, so I wasn't overly upset. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I literally said I hope this is a draw or, like, something weird happens. And, you know, although I love Struve, he's a great guy. But, you know, it's just, you know, Mike, to your point, man, something's got to change. And if, this, if a state like that can't get their shit together, then you just can't go there, you know? And overall, it's got to change. But that was just, dude, that was a fucking disaster. Just a disaster.
2: Ian, great takes, great insight. Again, we're being joined by Ian Parker. This is my first time talking to you, man. What the hell is the secret that you start your day with, man? sounds like you're running from the police while you're doing an interview.
1: I got
3: kids, bro. I got a six-year-old and a (laughs) three-year-old. And they go to the, it's just, my life's crazy. No, you know what? Um, I love, Mike knows. I've been very involved in MMA for a while. I love the sport. I just, uh, when things like this kind of come up, it sucks because so many people have worked so hard, you know, when we were trying to get the sport legalized in New York, for example. Like, the fact that it wasn't legalized in New York was insane. It just, it comes so far, and then something stupid like this happens, and it gives the people that, you know, that kind of hate on the sport is like that modern-day cockfighting or gladiator shit who still don't fucking get it for some weird reason, you know, it just gives them a little bit of leverage. And to my point, it just shouldn't happen And honestly, I just drink a lot of Starbucks in the morning to make sure because my kids – dude, my (laughs) three-year-old daughter gets up at five, and when I hear, "Uh uh-oh, my sink's overflowed in the kitchen. Somehow my son is running around the house fucking naked, just, like, cracking up. So if I'm not at the top of my game (laughs) right away in the morning, like, head on a swivel, I'm done. So – Oh yeah. I'm fucking fired up. Let's go. What else
2: you got? I'm here. Dude, we need you to judge, man. It's like, you're, you're always on your game. Some of these judges aren't on their game oh, I'd, I'd uh, love with to. the open score. We brought it up real quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, people say that maybe uh, they, they tried in boxing and uh, boxers tend to coast if they know they're up six rounds and it's the seventh round. I'm like, in MMA, it's a lot different obviously with the gloves. If somebody's up in the third round or fifth round, if they coast, they could get knocked out. What's your opinion on the uh, open scoring?
3: Yeah. So the reason why I like open scoring is exactly for the reason of, listen, if a guy thinks he's up two to one, but it's one, one, that's going to change the way he fights. You know, listen, most fights, and I think, and Mike, I would I think you would probably agree with me. We, we usually share the same brain within this sport. If a guy's legitimately up two O and he's dominating the fight, you know, he's still not necessarily going to coast. He may then, take the fight to the ground he may just kind of stay out of brawling you know stay out of trouble like someone like max holloway i don't think it like when he's up in a fight he will still point at the ground and say let's fucking go let's throw it down for the last 10 seconds you're not going to change someone like him you know i just think that we got to give fighters if we're going to still have these judges and look it's not going to change overnight we got to do whatever we can to take it out of their hands even if it gets into their hands if a guy thinks he's up 2-0 but for some weird reason he's down 2-0 or it's 1-1 let the guy know, you know, it will really, this will be more of a challenge for the coaches, you know, how to really work strategy in their fight because it's kind of hard to really coast in an they fight when you're in the cage. You can't run in circles. You will get deducted a point at the, you know, and this isn't like that. Uh, Caleb Starnes versus Nate Quarry. I'll never forget that, you know, because that was literally the epitome of coasting. Um, even though he was losing the fight, which was really stupid, but think about it now when a guy thinks he's up too well, right. And he takes the guy down, he sits in his guard. He will throw punches. He'll do enough to stay busy. Will that really change that much if he's up two zero with a live scoring? I don't think so. I think if anything, it just gives the guy that's down more of an obvious "yo, you need to go in there and finish." There's no question, you know. Or to the guy that thinks he's up two two. Yep. Hey, it's one one. You can't just coast. Don't leave it in the judge's hands. Just some I love guy, it, man. you know. So
2: I think we agree with you, Ian. We're gonna have to cut you off, man. We got another guest All on. Good. We're just well. Yeah. It, <laughs> Well, well, hold on, Ike. Before, before we go, Ian, just give us a – tell
1: us a little bit about the uh, about Cage Hero and where you are, uh, where you're at with the comic and where you're at with the story and, and the TV show and, and the brand. Sure. So, um, Cage
3: Hero – so I wrote a story. I, first, I started off with a clothing line, Cage Hero. I sponsored a lot of fighters, people you may know, like Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, Kung Lee, Misha Tate, Chris Weidman, all those awesome people. And kind of wrote a story one night. It got published by a company called Dynamite Entertainment. And it was co-written with myself and Kevin Eastman from the Ninja Turtles. Turned into a graphic novel. I was honored to have Mike write something in the inside of the graphic novel, which was awesome. A couple years later, the script is now complete. And we are out there doing a little uh, fundraising and pitching towards Netflix and a few other studios that are interested in turning this into a live-action movie. So it's uh, pretty awesome. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to become this generation's version of the Power Rangers or the Ninja Turtles but with each kid representing a different nice. a different part of MMA. Yeah, so, you know, my uh, my six-year-old that's son, cool. I just, you know, even though he likes the Avengers, he doesn't know that Captain America's fighting fucking Hitler. It's like, you know, like, why doesn't he have his own Michelangelo who just happens to know how <laughs> to do jiu Why not? So that's what we got going on here, yeah.
2: I could say that because I'm Jewish, wait. by the
3: way. It, wor- it works, Her. so
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mazel tov, man, Mazel Thank tov. you, thank you. <laughs> All right, Ian
1: Parker, it's it's. It's, it's at Parker cage hero on Twitter. And uh, thank you so much, Ian. Uh, Great insights. Uh, We love, we love the, uh, the talk about the open scoring and obviously what, what, what Texas did on Saturday night. Uh, And, you know, James Krause does have a legitimate argument. You know, I I hate to say it because, you know, like you said, I respect everybody who steps into the cage. It's it's no offense against Giles.
3: Oh no. Yeah. I I agree with you completely. Nothing against Giles. You know, it's just, um, it is what it is. It sucks.
2: Oh, thank! I was like, uh "Oh, Mike's gonna get him going again." <laughs> no, 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 no! I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> take up too much time. All right, brother.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Well, we got Trent Reinsmith coming up. Uh, coming up next, and uh, thanks a lot, Ian. Talk to you soon.
3: You got it, guys. You got it. Later, finish. brother.
1: All right. All right. We the show rolls on. <laughs> Trent, dude, great column today. We we just we just actually spoke with uh, Aljamain Sterling. That's right.
4: Okay. What did he have to say? Anything?
1: Anything uh, interesting? Well, he, he said he wasn't too offended.
4: Right. Okay.
1: And
4: yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's a issue of him being offended. I just think it's this opens, and it's been happening for a long time. I mean, the the uh, the code of conduct. I think it just opens the door to uh, just it just gets lower and lower, and and at, at some point, it, I'm just afraid it's going to get very ugly and then w- what can the UFC do then when can they put an end to it when they've let it go on for so long that's my biggest concern
1: well Trent let me let me just um, let people know what what you did today you, you put out a column on your uh, come on now uh, newsletter and uh, you, you spoke about how Henry Cejudo is kind of going above and beyond being uh, not so smart when it comes to his Twitter comments uh, elaborate on the column a little bit before we go into uh, asking questions with you. Okay.
4: Um, so Cejudo is has been upping, more or less upping the ante on his uh, Twitter feed and his social media feed. And it just seems to me it's getting more ugly and uglier. Um, started off with some, like late December, mid-December, he made some homophobic comments. And then the videos he was having – you know, a lot of people, myself included, were calling them sexist because the women were just there as props. They, they only served this uh, to be props for him, which, you know, that's uh, just offensive. And then uh, yesterday he um, called Ajmaine Sterling Al and then made some comment about uh, Peter Jahn's uh, English. So I was just said that, that, you know, that one hit both uh, racism. By the Algemima comment, and then that Peter Jan's English is is xenophobic. So um, I just think he's upping the ante and it just keeps getting uglier. And that's my concern with this stuff. I don't think it should happen. I think it's trash talk's fine, but this kind of stuff is it it, it serves no purpose but to rile people up.
1: Well, do you think it's endemic to what's been going on in MMA uh, since the Conor McGregor era?
4: I think Chael kicked it off, Um, but while Chael's was offensive, I think Chael, I think we all knew we could sense that Chael was doing it with a wink and a nod. I didn't get the sense that Chael was serious. Now, this might be forgiving him for things or reading into things with him. But I just
1: No, I kinda of, uh, I kinda of, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think Chael's always been a wink and a nod type guy. Right. So I don't
2: think I agree with the wink and the nod overall, but there was that one percentage where he made the Anderson Silva's wife make a mistake, slap her on the butt. That towed the line. I was like, Oh, Anderson's gonna kill him. All right, that one, yeah. But that <laughs> that one might have been. Yeah.
4: But I think and Connor has stepped over the line with the favela comment that that i i didn't like at all um but i think these other guys that are trying it like colby he's appealing to a certain aspect and and he's sticking to that i I don't like what he does um i think what he did with the uh, brazilian crowd calling until the animals that was over the line and i think now we're at the point where people see him doing it they try and be connor they try and be chael they don't have the wit and it comes off, it comes off like they're, like they mean it, and it, it, and I don't know if they do or not. And I, I but I'm taking it as seriously as, as I, I can because a lot of these, a lot of the fans are taking it seriously, and you can see from the comments, like the comments to Karen Bryant, they were they were offensive. Um, so I think people are trying to be to generate fans and trying to generate interest, but they're generating it in the wrong way and they're appealing to the wrong aspect of this.
1: Well, you know, I think you and I, and, and I'm sure I speak for Ike as well. Uh, we're we're kind of purists when it comes to mixed martial arts. And one of the things that I always attracted me to the sport was the the respect that fighters give each other after the fight. They, you know, they can go three or five rounds of knockdown, drag out fights and then give it give each other a big hug at the end of the fight. And I think that's what I really that's what attracted me to the sport in the very beginning when I was covering it as a journalist at Fox News Channel. And I, I just thought, you know, this is a great sport where people respect each other. It's a martial art. And I think we've come to the point where now it's prize fighting. And not that I'm saying prize fighting is wrong because, you know, these guys gotta make a living. And you know, you can't deny that Conor McGregor has made more money than any any fighter in the history of mixed martial arts. And he's done it with his mouth and he's done it with his his witticisms and also with his put downs to other people. So I can understand why people are trying to emulate that. Yeah. But not everybody is Conor McGregor. And, and Conor McGregor is, for, for all intents and purposes, and I don't care what he's done recently outside the cage, but he's a very smart, savvy person. His comebacks are witty. He, he, he always knows how to market himself. And I think he's done a great job in doing it. But, you know, Henry Cejudo is not Conor McGregor. And, you know, I had a conversation with Rashad Evans many years ago. And I told him once, I said, Conor, I said, Rashad, you need media training. And he took it the wrong way. He took it very offensively. And then a couple weeks later, he said to Phil Davis, when he was going to fight Phil Davis, who wrestled at Penn State, and Rashad said, I'm going to put my hands on you more than that football coach put on those little boys. And he said it in a press conference. And it was a huge backlash. And I said to Rashad, I go, that's what I was talking about, Rashad. I wasn't saying that you were stupid. I was saying you say the wrong things. And then he looked at me and he said, Straka, you're right. I, you know, now I know what you were talking about. You know, you because sometimes people say things that aren't really that, you know, they're just not right. I'm not saying they're not bright, but they're just not right. You know, and they think, you know, they, they'll say to their coaches or say to their training partner, I'm gonna say this, and they laugh in the locker room going, Oh, that's gonna be great. But no, then then the mainstream media comes in and says, How could you possibly make a joke about kids getting molested? And I, I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of mixed martial artists. They just, they're not savvy enough. They're not media trained. They, they just don't, they don't know any better. And here's Cejudo going out and saying things like Al Jemima. That is, you know, I think it's funny, but I also think it's offensive. You know, I'm not black. I'm not African-American. You know, Karen Bryan came out and said, this is offensive to me. And I, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't offended, but I'm not African-American. So I, I, I don't, you know, I, I can understand why it it is offensive. I can see it on the surface that it's an offensive thing to say.
4: Yeah, and I think with Henry, one of the problems is who he surrounds himself with. He's, he's managed by Ali, and if that's Ali Abdulaziz, and if that's who your your, for lack of a better term, role model is, it, he's not going to pull Henry aside and say, hey, stop this, because he does, maybe not to this extreme. But he does the same kind of thing, and that's a problem. And I think a lot of fighters, when they get um, so big and they get uh, some money, and then they get surrounded by yes men, and no one wants to tell them, "Hey, calm down, cool out. This isn't this isn't the way you want to go." And I'm not saying Henry's in that position, but when when he's managed by that uh, by Ali, and he's in that kind of group where this is kind of the norm. It's it's not a surprise that this is going
1: that route. Okay, but Ali Ali represents a lot of fighters, and they're not always they're not all coming out like that.
4: That's true. I mean, but but but, but he's also gets on there and and does a lot of trash talk, and and I don't I don't think that's a manager's role. But I'm just saying that I'm just saying Ali's not going to pull Henry aside and tell him to stop. A manager like like uh, not a manager, but someone like a coach, like Greg Jackson might, um, Trevor Whitman, those kind of guys, they might pull up a guy that's in their gym and say, "Hey, enough." But I don't see Ali doing that. So I think I'm not saying Ali's responsible. I just say I'm. I just think he won't be a guy that's going to stop Henry from upping the ante.
2: I agree, Trent. And again, we're being joined by Trent Rhinesmith on Twitter at Trent Rhinesmith. That easy enough, uh, Trent. I. have don't agree with what Henry's doing, but I believe and I hope that he'll change his image. He is smarter than this. He is walking around slapping a freaking snake on the stage and wearing a Burger King outfit. But uh, I want to switch gears a little. I saw that uh, on Twitter you were part of the professional athletes brain health study uh, recently. I-, I believe it would be recently. But what can you tell us about brain injuries and brain trauma in combat sports? Are they making any new developments? Is there any hope that this sport's going to last another 25 years and that it's not going to be concluded now that it's on the ESPN era, more eyeballs and watching. And if there was a death inside the cage, uh, it can just send the sport down an awful spiral. Can you tell us that the sport is headed in a good direction in terms of research and uh, studying of the brain and brain trauma?
4: Dr. Burnick at the uh, Cleveland clinic is doing a study with the, Boxers, MMA fighters, and now they're also adding professional bull riders in there, so that's a good step as well. Um, the The research he's doing is ongoing, so it's still going to keep going. What he found was obviously boxers and MMA fighters have uh, brain volume loss. But what what I found interesting was that um, in the retired boxers, they had brain volume loss in a different region. So the current fighters had brain, brain volume loss in in an area that would indicate um, like a da- damage, like a, a whipping motion of the brain twisting around in the skull. But the retired fighters had damage and volume loss in the um, the area that would indicate uh, Alzheimer's type of uh, disease or or CTE. And, another thing that was concerning was that while they lost volume, the control group gained volume in those areas. So that was also concerning. Um, uh, The one thing that Dr. Burnick could not do was a study on retired MMA fighters because they did not have enough um, people that volunteered from being retired MMA fighters volunteered for the study. So um, retired MMA fighters need to to get in on that study. Um, Active MMA fighters need to get in on that.
2: For sure. For sure.
4: And he also, one of the things that concerned him with the study was that he thinks he doesn't know, but he had to think that people that are involved in the study are those that are seeing um, complications, current or retired. They're seeing complications with, with brain in, from brain injuries. So I would encourage fighters, MMA, boxing, and, and, you know, the bull riders who are who don't have symptoms, they should also get involved because that'll help his research as well. Um, I think they're always looking for people. The more people that get involved, the better will be, but he, he's, Hopeful that this will keep going, and then the, the end game is to find a way to try and prevent or limit brain injuries in
1: in fighting. Well, we've all heard the story about Gary Goodridge, uh, and of, and uh, I think um, recently Hanato uh Baba uh, Babalu has been coming out with with uh, some indications that he might be suffering from CTE. Um, did you uh, do? Do you know anything about those two cases? I
4: I, I know what they have been suffering from. I don't know. Um, details about their, their what medically what they're going or how how they're if they're in any kind of study. I know Babalu volunteered for. I don't know if he volunteered. he volunteered for something. Uh, I I don't know if it was the brain study. Um, after you're you're deceased, I don't know if that was it or if it was a current brain study. Um, but I know they are they're struggling.
2: It's tough, man. It's it's definitely tough. It's sad. Can can you? Guarantee us, because I always push this in a uh, conversation about head trauma of boxing versus MMA, can you guarantee us that MMA is safer than boxing? I mean, I I try to argue that there's leg kicks and there's submission and there's grappling. At times, a fighter could win by throwing one strike, clinching, dragging his opponent to the floor, choking him out, and no uh, head trauma was suffered. Can you just guarantee that uh, MMA is safer than boxing, just uh, logistically?
4: Um, the MMA fighters lost less brain volume, uh, and that's really like all I can say. And so, what, you know, just going by the study, yeah, the MMA is probably safer. But again, this is only a five-year study, so it's hard to say overall. Um, I think we'll get a better idea as the as the study goes on. And I know the UFC is still funding the study from their point. I don't know if anybody else is involved, but I know he's going to keep it going, but from you know knee-jerk reaction from the first study that he just released, it's safer, MMA safer, but to what level? I don't think anybody knows yet.
2: Gotcha, and we're being joined, and we're wrapping up with Trent Ryan Smith. Trent, can you tell us real quick about your Come On newsletter?
4: When I left MMA Junkie, I didn't have a home for my writing, so I just decided that I was going to do the newsletter, Come On Now newsletter, um, and it was just going to be uh, me, just expanding on whatever bothered more or less bothered me with MMA so um if something offended me or i didn't like or i saw something that needed to be written up that some people wouldn't touch or were reluctant to touch that's what i was going to go with this route so i'm not going to pull any punches whether it's with the UFC uh MMA media i try not to punch down so to speak and with the fighters so i won't cover their you know, if I think they look bad or something, I won't do that. But if something like Henry Sehuda just did, I'll cover that. But more or less, it's to punch up, take on the promotions, take on the athletic commissions, and see. It just you know, this is what's going on. Everybody should be aware of it, and I'm not afraid to cover it. So that's more or less what.
1: Well, tr- Trent, that that's really why we call our show Mavericks because. You know we're MMA mavericks, and I think we we feel the same way you feel. Like I think it's time that the media are not afraid to lose their credentials anymore. We're not afraid to like take on the promotions, take on the athletic commissions, take on fighters. Even, you know, I've been in situations where I've had fighters come up to me like, Mike, what the fuck was that? Like, what did you just say about me? And I'm like, dude, like this is my like you're in my camera, you're in my frame, this is my octagon. You know, just if I walk into the octagon with you, I expect to get punched in the face. Well, if you walk into my camera frame, you're gonna get punched in the face too. And one thing I've never understood is like, these guys are the toughest fighters in the world. These guys are the toughest guys on the planet. But one wrong question, and they have the thinnest skins and the longest memories. And it always boggled my mind. I'd, I'd walk through the uh, UFC event, and I'd, I'd get a call out from somebody, you know, sitting front, front row center saying, hey, Stroker, what the hell was that you said about me on your MMA show? I'm like, well, I said what I said. You know, I get paid to be an analyst. Like, I analyze your fight. If you don't like what I had to say, that's your problem. I mean, you know, I'm sorry if you don't like it. I don't mean to offend you, but I also – I'm not going to sit here and pull punches either. And I think, I think for a long time, MMA media has gone in a wrong direction. And I think you know it's time that people get take on. Like, you know, I, I'm friends with a lot of fighters. I'm sure you are too, Trent. I'm sure you are too, Ike. And it, there does come a time when it's hard to say what you want to say, but but you know we have to say it.
4: Right, right. And that's what I, I'm not saying anything that I don't believe. So if I believe something, I, and I and I wrote it, I believe it. And I'll back it up. I'll I'll take the heat for it if I'm wrong, and someone can prove me wrong. Fine, I'll I'll own up to that. But this is stuff I believe, and I'll defend everything that I write, that I say, um, because you know this is this is what I believe. And and if you don't like it, I can't really help you.
2: Trent, thank you so much, man. Appreciate for the time and uh, the the very useful insight, man. I think the MMA community needs to hear it. Thank you. Uh, anytime you
1: need me. Thanks, Trent. All right, Ike, that's a great show. Uh, Let's wrap it up. Until next time,
2: enjoy the fights.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.